Well, there's plenty on the plate of our next guest. We've moved on from the World Cup failure and the short-lived second coming of Eddie Jones. A new Wallabies coach has been appointed in New Zealand to Joe Schmidt, and now he faces financial headwinds. The next broadcast rights deal is crucial. Phil War is the CEO of Rugby Australia. Pleased to say he's on the line right now. Phil, thanks for your time. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, news, speaking of this afternoon, came through that the Melbourne Rebels, Phil, entered voluntary administration. What can you tell us currently about their predicament? Will we see them in this upcoming Super Rugby competition? And then what about beyond that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we're committed to delivering the 24 uh, Super Rugby season and uh, it's only a few weeks away. So, uh, yeah, we're working with uh, the Melbourne Rebels uh, and also uh, with the administrator, PwC. So, uh, yeah, working closely with them to uh, to solve for, for some of the challenges. Still very early days, but, you know, certainly the team have been training for some time. So uh, looking forward to uh, getting them on the field. Mate, you've come out of uh, you've come out of the banking sector. It's, it's it's like you've jumped out of the frying pan into the fire, jumping with this rugby CEO role. You're six months in. Um, has, has it been everything that you've, you've expected? <laughs> oh, look, it certainly hasn't been without its challenges. But uh, oh, look, I, I think uh, you know, certainly, uh, um, you know, looking forward to the arrival of Joe Schmidt and um, you know, got new, new director of high performance, Peter Horn, and uh, you know, David Nikafora, who uh, implemented the Irish system that uh, that's done so well over the last period of time. So, uh, you know, hopefully we're putting the right uh, people in the right positions and uh, and we can turn things around. But uh, we certainly know uh, that that uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, we've got a lot of hard work to do, but uh, you know, a big part of that and uh, and you played enough to play with enough people that uh, you know, if you put, if you put the right people in the right uh, positions and uh, and you work hard enough as a team, then uh, you know, hopefully things come together. Um, quicker than, uh, than than what everyone expects, but uh, we know it's not going to be easy. Yeah, mate, it's um, it's certainly like you said, not not been without its challenges, mate. Now I know Rugby Australia's TV deals based on five Australian teams playing in the Super Rugby Pacific, but I've always been of this opinion: is more always better? Is more better? I mean, I just I sometimes wonder if we haven't spread our talent too thin, lacking the competition at the at the provincial level. Um, if if Melbourne can't rectify the situation, the financial situation. Do you think it would be so bad if we just had four teams and sort of, I guess, tighten up that competition at that provincial level, give us uh, stronger teams and, and hence maybe a little bit more confidence when we put our Wallabies together? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a debate for some time. Obviously, uh, you know, Super Rugby started with New Zealand with just five teams um, and there have been five teams um, since 1996. So, uh, you know, we've seen that consistency and... Uh, and certainly not a dilution of talent uh, within the New Zealand provinces, and they've had great success over that time. Um, you know, we've gone from three to four to five, back to four, back to five, and um, you know, certainly something that uh, that we need to review. And you know, as, as you said, I think it's around uh, you know delivery of Super Rugby Pacific, and uh, you know, with the inclusion of Moana Pacifica and uh, Fiji and Drua. Uh, and you know, also uh, you know discussions around uh, you know further expansion. Uh, you know, what does the uh, make-up of uh, Super Rugby Pacific look like. So, uh, look, I think right now, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty uh, you know, within the, the current environment in Melbourne, which we're working through with uh, with the Rebels. But, you know, most importantly, uh, you know, I think when you look at the most successful teams in the world, you look at Ireland, uh, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, the, the, team, the teams in green succeeding. You look at New Zealand, it's all about the teams in black succeeding. And, you know, certainly having that, uh, that pathway to the teams in gold, uh, you know, being... Uh, as best uh, as we possibly can be, and uh, and world class again is our our focus, and um, you know I think it's about us coming together and uh, coming together as a system, coming together across member unions, Super Rugby clubs to uh, to get the right structure uh, that's going to drive success in in gold jerseys. 
Boy, I know you've got to look at all the possibilities here. You know, worst case scenario, if, if the Rebels disappear, does that jeopardise Rugby Australia's relationship with the Victorian government and, and potentially their reported, what, I think $50 million offer to, to host a World Cup final? Can, can we look that far down the track? Oh, I think it's too early to, uh, to talk to, about that. But, um, yeah, we, we've got a really strong relationship with the Victorian government. And, uh, and as we know, Melbourne... Yeah, you know, host international events uh, as as well as any uh, other city in the world. So, you know, the relationship there and uh, and hopefully uh, you know the Victorian government's appetite for, for big events and major events, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll work through um, you know over the, over the next period of time. You know, it was only uh, six months ago that we had eighty four thousand people at the MCG for the for the first Blazers So, uh, you know, we we can certainly uh, you know, get a good crowd in Melbourne at the MCG at uh, you know at, at uh, Marvel Stadium. Um, and Amy Park, we play against uh, Wales uh, in the second test against Wales at Amy Park this year in July. So, you know, we, we've got a good relationship and uh, and big events and big test matches uh, in the uh, Melbourne region. It's really important to us. Yeah, that's right. It, uh, it certainly does. They do, they do love their sport down there, Warrior. Now, mate, I did want to congratulate you on the appointment of Joe Schmidt. Looking at his resume, it, it certainly seems like he's the guy to to lead the Wallabies uh, out of the doldrums. What was it that the board saw in, in Joe Schmidt and, and, and in him gaining his appointment? Yeah, well, I think you look at his track record. He spent time in France at uh, Clermont, Montferrand, did particularly well there. Then he went to Leinster and won European championships. Uh, then went and coached uh, Ireland uh, you know, for six years and had three um, Six Nations championships. Um, went from there back to... Uh, New Zealand to Auckland, where uh, you know they won 15 games straight with the Blues, um, and then he jumped into the All Black environment that was probably going downwards a, a little bit at the time of, uh, of him joining the All Blacks, and uh, they turned around and you know, lost the, the final by points. Um, so his track record's uh, you know particularly good, and you know if you think about uh, the coaching environment, and again you've seen this enough, it's uh, it's about the you know the, the, the team they put around them and uh, and creating an environment and, and culture that you know the best assistant coaches want to be a part of it and uh, he's got a track record of doing that as well so no, it's, it's really exciting to have a, a coach of his experience and and that international experience because you know coaching super rugby is very different to uh, to coaching at uh, a test level and uh, he's had enormous experience and success at test level it is a sound appointment just more broadly everyone wants a successful wallabies team phil <laughs> Is there a mentality in Rugby Australia that you adopt almost a trickle-down effect, like it starts with the success of the Wallabies and then that success will filter its way down to Super Rugby and, and even a club rugby level just through, through memberships and attendance and general interest in the game? Yeah, look, it's sort of, you know, which way does it start? Like, I like to think about the, the game, uh, you know, it starts, uh, you know, in, in, in juniors and, uh, and in the community and, and I think one of the biggest challenges we've had is actually uh, well, is, is reconnecting uh, the professional game with the amateur game. And I think uh, you know, there's been a, a bigger and bigger gap every year um, between uh, you know, the community and, and the professional game. So a big challenge for us is actually how do we, how do we reconnect and connect. So uh, you know, most importantly is the community game and, and, uh, and, and grassroots and, uh, and the local rugby clubs. Um, but you know, certainly in terms of driving revenue, if, you know, 80 to 85% of revenue comes from, uh, from, from the men's uh, 15 a side team. You know, it's really important that that team's succeeding, so you can actually fund uh, the rest of the game. So it's not a uh, it's not it's not a simple solution, but uh, you know we certainly need to get the Wallabies back up to you know where where the team once was because that drives a lot of interest, a, a lot of revenue, uh, and allows us to fund uh, you know more and more into the community. But uh, you know being being a Narrabeen Tiger when I was four, um, and uh, and still uh, you know on on uh, the sidelines of junior rugby clubs uh, today, I, you know I still think that the game. 
um, you know, is, is ultimately owned and uh, and and and, uh, and run by uh, by the community, and uh, it's really important that we keep investing into the community. Love the area, mate. You, you, I'm sure you own half an Arabine by now, but um, just to, <laughs> just on uh, on the Joe Schmidt appointment. Obviously, you had great success in Ireland from 2013 to 19. Three Six Nations, won a Grand Slam, but I mean, what what. what you, you must have, there must be plenty of optimism within rugby Australia with this appointment. What, what are the, what, have you set some realistic expectations around what you expect? What would you like to see before the British and British Lions tour in twenty twenty five? I mean, where where is rugby Australia at in that regard? I mean, I, I'm sure you can't expect you, you're not thinking we're going to come out and you know be undefeated until the Lions get here. But what's what's something that we can look forward to in terms of sort of some realistic expectations from this side? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of. You look, you look at uh, you know what he set up, and uh, you know Andy Farrell's taken over, and Andy Farrell came through under Joe Schmidt, and uh, you know the team kept succeeding under under Andy now, and uh, you know what a great matchup when you got Andy Farrell coaching the Lions, and uh, Joe Schmidt will be coaching the uh, yeah, the Wallabies. So um, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome matchup. You know, in terms of yeah, you know, we've got to be patient. I think you know we've, we've probably gone for uh, you know quick fixes and uh, you know change the coach, and things will uh, will change. But we've got a lot of work to do in terms of building depth across the system. Um, but uh, you know, if you look at the athletes, uh, if you get the right uh, uh, coaching team around, build the right culture, uh, get the right selections, and uh, you know the team weren't too far off, uh, you know, only 12 months ago. So um, it can be pretty optimistic. You know, you can't forget also we, we almost beat the All Blacks in Dunedin, uh, you know, less than six months ago as well. So you know the team's got, uh, you know, certainly got the ability. It's about bringing the team together in, into the right culture, and um, you know, winning's a habit, losing's a habit. Unfortunately, at the moment uh, you're probably on the wrong side of. Um, of that bar, but uh, you know, I'm certainly very optimistic without over-promising because we know we've got a lot of work to do. But um, you know, get the right culture and get the right uh, selections and 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 you know, keep players on the field, and I think you know, things can turn hopefully reasonably quickly. And just lastly, Warry, uh, confirm it tonight, Joe Schmidt, not a cattle prod user. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. It's, uh, it's 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 sheep in New Zealand, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I will I will say, Warry, just quickly on the on the World Cup documentary, it looks pretty explosive. Given the wrap up, you know, was there any consideration of not not airing that documentary? Or you actually want to show the Australian public, of, you know, regardless of the results, this team worked bloody hard to try to get a result for us. Yeah, I think it's um it's a, it's good to go in behind the scenes and you know when you're only watching the game and uh, you know some. Uh, you know, not optimal for performances on the field. But uh, you've got to understand, you know, the people and uh, and understand the work that went into the campaign, went into the season. And you've got a, a lot of really good uh, young men in that environment that uh, will only grow from the experience and, and the emotions that they went through. So uh, no, it's good just to humanise uh, the environment and uh, let people understand how hard these guys worked. You know, to what was not uh, an ideal campaign, but it wasn't from a lack of effort. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Plenty of challenges ahead for the sport of rugby in this country. Phil, we'll appreciate your time in the program today. Thanks, guys.